are listening to the number one source for Michigan sports, WCBN 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. If you are an undergraduate who would like to get involved with the sports department, email us at sports at wcbn.org. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Another executive out at the Fox News Network. Oh, my. What will Rupert Murdoch do after next Sunday? <laughs> I think that the uh, Anglo-American uh, brainwashing project of Rupert Murdoch that's been going on for about 35 years is, uh, well, it's going to continue in the Anglo-American uh, societies, but uh, I'm relatively certain that Macron will win the presidency next week, and obviously uh, France's politics is sort of up in the air, but uh, we will see. You know, it is interesting how accurate the polls were, just a real quick uh, review on that to keep these uh, parties straight. Uh, the polls before the election said Macron 24, Le Pen 22.4, Mr. Fillon 19.4, and Mr. Melacon, uh 18.9. The final results, Macron 24, 21.3% from Miss Le Pen, who actually fell a point. Fillon got 20%, and Melacon whose name almost sounds like uh, Macron, <laughs> uh, actually went up a point. So uh, if you really look closely at the French voting statistics, and there was a very good article in last week's New York Times that I didn't bring in on it showing them. looking for the map. That the map was fascinating. Uh, kind of an interesting uh, review of French geography as well, if not history, uh, to see... Uh, how the breakdown in France is occurring and uh, what will probably... I, I think that if uh, Marie Le Pen has, gets over 42% next Sunday, uh, she'll have had a good day. Uh, maybe her last kind of big wild card shot are the debates that are coming up in a couple of days. Uh, Although there was a, another resignation from her close associates regarding some ill-advised uh, Holocaust denial sort of comment oh, yeah. over the well, weekend. Well, that's part and parcel with what she's done. She has actually modernized the party, as, as, as they say, and there is no united front against her. So there are some certainly some uncertainties in the whole thing. But if you look at the actual sort of, okay, the far left got... Uh, in reality, about 43% of the vote. Because <laughs> Macron you, was in the socialist government of Hollande. And, you know, his problems, by the way, were, were somewhat personal. He had some sex scandals and some financial shenanigans that ended up dooming this uh, Fillon character. Uh, Fillon, by the way, to kind of recognize what he represents, is he represents the Jacques Chirac uh uh, Charles de Gaulle, kind of wing of the French political spectrum, sort of right of center. 
uh, but not radical right. In other words, uh, European politics, the center still has some vital vitality, as yeah. they say. The center can hold there. Anyway, that we'll deal with that next week. No point in speculating about what's going to happen in France. But uh, in this uh, first round of voting, by the way, about 80% of the people participated. I think here's the number, 78.7. So this is an impressive uh, system of democracy. But France has gone through these strange historical fits and starts throughout its, uh, its, its history. And it's interesting Joe and Lai was once asked uh, whether he whether the French Revolution had been a success. <laughs> Joe and Lai, the famous uh, foreign uh, minister, foreign advisor to the Chinese Communist Party, and his response was, "It's too early to tell." Now that's both a reflection of. <laughs> well, in a way, that that uh, comment is also uh, reminiscent of uh, Gandhi's retort, Mahatma. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi's retort to uh, uh, a tour of Europe where he was asked, you know, what do you think of Western civilization? And he said he thought it would be a good idea. I'm in favor of it. Yes. <laughs> well, and of course, the Joe and Lai comment was in response to the Chinese Revolution. And I always yeah. keep pointing out to people the PRC, the Chinese Communist Party, has not even run China for 70 years. If you think about the unbelievable changes that have occurred. And by the way, there's a very interesting article in today's New York Times about what's actually going on in North Korea uh, with the reforms. I highly recommend reading that. It's a kind of a long piece, but it gives you a, an idea that there actually is reform going on in North Korea and that this mouse that roared is a mouse that roars occasionally. This is not a character, uh, and Trump over the weekend expressed admiration for Kim Jong-un. He's a one smart cookie. Don Trump-il-un. <laughs> That's what we'll have to start calling him. Uh, you know, and let's give uh, Trump a brain damage award for inviting Duterte to the White House. This is fairly outrageous. Uh, there are, it's, be, it's more than outrageous. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, ill-conceived. It's uh, whimsical. It's, it's misguided. It's probably something that he blurted out yeah. without vetting the idea with any staffers right. in such short numbers as they are. It's probably something that he conceived while watching Fox or reading Breitbart at 5 in the morning. Well, the notion that Duterte is going to somehow be an ally in our war with North Korea is kind of silly. Uh, the Philippines have so many internal problems of their own. Uh, they have natural disasters there that just defy explanation. Well, and the guy's propensity for uh, extrajudicial executions yeah. is uh, well known and... You know, this is something that is to be denounced, Well, and he's not welcomed. Yeah, and he's being investigated as a war criminal. Right. <laughs> the, there are an estimated, uh, I think the, the number is somewhere between 8,000 and 10,000 people that have just been executed. This isn't like 
we're arresting you, putting you in jail. And it's taking the phrase "war on drugs" literally. Yeah, it's not nothing metaphoric about it. And to call him a populist, oh well, he's got eighty percent approval ratings. Well, yeah. Uh, many Germans, when they were asked if they liked yeah, Adolf Hitler over the phone or in person, and there weren't many phones back then. I'm probably not sure who's listening? So sure, yeah, <laughs> things are great. You don't know who's uh, going to rat on you. But uh, when you put this uh, sort of welcoming embrace to uh, Duterte uh, in context with his uh, over-the-weekend comment about, I'd be honored to meet with Kim Jong-un. Um, I'll buy him a burger. That smart cookie. And, uh, yeah, they could uh, dive into a double-stuff Oreo uh, box together. Um, but so, okay, let's round up the, the cohort of supervillains here. You've got Duterte in the Philippines, Kim Jong-un in North Korea. You've got the uh, prime minister of Turkey. Uh, Putin, of course, uh, has increased uh, the uh, snapped at back and shutdowns against uh, any opposition voices. Mm -hmm. Sean Spicer was asked about that in today's press conference, but uh, no comment. Uh, Trump has spoken favorably of essentially the military dictator of Egypt. Uh, so he's building a cohort of supervillains and the entire history of America's diplomacy and the traditions of actually representing the concepts which we claim to uh, stand by is just out the window altogether. Yeah, and I think that, let's face it, there's, uh, you know, talking to Putin, uh, he's obviously going to have to meet him eventually at a G20 summit. Uh, that's in the cards. Uh, dealing with uh, Turkey is, is obviously a reality that, that can't just simply be ignored, but there's simply no reason to uh, host Duterte at the White House. That is a misguided... Uh, PR disaster, but it's uh, par for the course with Dumpty Trumpty. <laughs> yes, indeedy, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Trumpty Humpty had a great fall. All of Zinke's horses and all of Ivanka's men couldn't put Humpty Trumpty back on top of the wall again. <laughs> I'm building a wall. I'm building a wall. He's uh, made that comment so many times. And what do we discover uh, just this uh, over the weekend? Well, it's not going to happen, at least for, for nine months. <laughs> it's not going to happen until next fiscal year starts, because Congress actually over the weekend apparently decided to do their the work that they were supposed to do back, uh, last September, and they've passed a extension of the budget to keep the government open for at least five months. So, And to come out and call this a big victory... When uh, this is their job <laughs> uh, is uh, strange. I don't know if Dick Cheney and El Baghdadi or Bashir Assad are going to make any appearances at the White House, but <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned the uh, the you know article about North Korea in uh, today's Times, but there was a photo uh, in the Times uh, last Friday that I think is. It's such an odd photo that I would urge listeners to look back and try and see this. It's on page A14 of uh, Friday's New York Times. I'm going to hold it up for... Oh, yeah, I saw that photo. It's framed in such a way that it's the perfect representation of our bizarre yes. State Department at the moment. It's uh, Rex Tillerson standing in the middle 
on the left side of the shot is a disembodied hand reaching out in a handshake. You can't see anything from the elbow back to the torso. It's just this hand. And on the other side is an American flag standing up on a stand. And there's another human figure obscured behind it. Right. This is your State Department, ladies and gentlemen. 200 State Department posts stand empty, and there's no rush to fill them. Uh, in fact, Tillerson has announced through a spokesman that uh, he's going to worry about that later uh, and take care of uh, lining up some uh, nominees in a few months or so with uh, a Senate confirmation process that takes months. This means the department will remain leaderless until well into 2018. Which, of course, it already is. Tillerson seems like a man who goes on these uh, talking uh, tours that seem to be out of sync with other members of the Trump administration. And it's uh, hard to be uh, using those words, but uh, yes, indeedy. Thank God the first 100 days have come and gone. Uh, we've heard so much about it, and it's such ir such an irrelevancy. Uh, because let's give Donald Trump credit. He uh, made a contract with America last fall uh, in promising to introduce 10 major pieces of legislation. He's introduced one of 10. That was the Repeal Obamacare Act, which uh, is uh, resembling a patient on a gurney. <laughs> uh, just to review very, very quickly about how this 100 days even came up and how it came to be. And this is what happened, by the way. The, this is FDR. And this corresponded with him coming into office, dealing with the problems of the American economy uh, and, and dealing in, in, in multiple layers of the American economy to deal with the Great Depression. This is what he got done in the 100 days through Congress. He passed 15 major laws, delivered 10 speeches, held press conferences, and cabinet meetings twice a week, conducted uh, talks with foreign heads of state. Uh, they didn't come into the White House and have photo ops with uh, FDR telling the world that, oh, he's a great guy, and I get along with him fine. We, yeah. We're the best of friends now. I, I've, I've looked into his eyes. This is Trump's... Uh, sort of response after every single visit from no matter who it is. This is what uh, FDR did. The Emergency Banking Act, the Economy Act. He established the Civilian Conservation Corps, CCC, abandoned the gold standard, uh, brought out a bill providing federal emergency relief, which was a national relief program, passed the Agricultural Adjustment Act, the Emergency Farm Mortgage Act, allowing for the refinancing of farm mortgages, created the TVA, created a Truth in Securities Act, requiring full disclosure in the issues of new securities, eventually creating the SEC, uh, instituted the abrogation of the gold clause in public and private contracts, passed the Homeowners Loan Act, which provided for refinancing of home mortgages, passed the National Industrial Recovery Act, which was a system of industrial self-government under federal uh, supervision with $3.3 billion of public works appropriated. The Glass-Steagall Banking Act, 
which basically divorced uh, commercial and investment banking, guaranteeing federal de- de- bank deposits. The Farm Credit Act and the Railroad Coordination Act. I take this, this list, by the way, from Arthur Schlesinger, uh, the prologue entitled The Hundred Days. And, of course, what that responded to was the fact that Congress basically went out on adjournment on June 15th. This is what was passed, and it was passed because the Roosevelt administration did the hard work before he was inaugurated. He incorporated uh, elements of his cabinet, members of Congress, political lawyers that wrote up a lot of this legislation. This stuff was, you know, as they say, ready, shovel ready. It was ready for takeoff, Mm -hmm. coming in there. And uh, this, of course, is how the American economy got rebooted. And it had to be done. In other words, he dealt with the banking problem. He dealt with the credit problem, the deflation problem, the uh, agricultural housing mortgage problems. He closed the banks for uh, eight or nine days. His first fireside chat, by the way, he had the humility to say, "Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today I want to talk to you about banking. So he explained what he was doing to the American people. There wasn't a show. It was a fireside chat. It was educational. It was explanatory. And uh, it had to be done at the time. Well, that's what you call good government. And this is how a real president should operate. Yeah. Not what we've seen. Not this sort of hodgepodge, uh, random uh, nonsense coming out of Trump. I'd like to remind Trump supporters, uh, Trump has not built a wall. There haven't been any tariffs, though he suddenly wants to seem to start a trade war with Canada. There's been no repeal of Obamacare, no replacement, no tax cuts. Um, He's insulted allies while embracing dictators and praising oligarchs. Um, There are ethical conflicts galore. He hasn't kept any of his promises on that. There's no infrastructure no proposed infrastructure, no discussion of infrastructure, despite all of the... His tax plan will benefit uh, the super wealthy at sure. the expense of the working Joe. And instead what we have are basically is everlasting war. Uh, he bombed Syria. The runway was up and operational within two days. Big deal. He bombed a cave in Afghanistan... Uh, About a week later, Afghanistan had one of the largest Taliban attacks uh, since the American uh, government invaded back in 2001. Uh, Let's remember, we've been in Afghanistan now with our military for 16 years. We've been poking around in Afghanistan since the 1980s. It is a disaster, and I am unaware of any reports of children killing grizzly bears but it's great to know that donald trump addressed the nra on friday thanking them for delivering him the presidency and praising their good work unbelievable uh the travel ban of course has been struck down by courts that will eventually end up in the supreme court Mm -hmm. 
And we as Americans should be thankful that we do have <clears throat> a vigorous press that's calling Trump into account. That Congress, as dysfunctional as they are, occasionally step up. You can even make an argument about today's, this weekend's budget agreement. Though, of course, that was work that they didn't do last September. But in any event, it's postponed the Trump agenda uh, until October. Uh, they have a thing in the NFL draft called Mr. Irrelevant. He's the last guy drafted in the actual seven rounds or eight rounds or whatever it is. I think it's seven rounds now. Donald Trump is Mr. Irrelevant. He is doing a lot of barking, a lot of talking. There's lots of tweeting. There's lots of meetings. But the functional functionality of the U.S. government right now is, I think, highly questionable. And the attacks on things like science, which, by the way, the NIH has had their funding restored, just as one example in this compromise bill. Uh, Trump wants to gut that in, in future budgets. The generals and Goldman Sachs seem to be running the show. Uh, Trump's version of, a pop, of populism, which is an incongruent concept to begin with, it, it isn't happening. <laughs> and uh, Trump has woken people up. Uh, the judiciary has provided a check on Trump, and I would like to remind Donald Trump that many of Obama's executive orders were struck down by the Supreme Court on the grounds that it's a violation of the separation of powers, that this is Congress's job, not your Correct. job. And finally, I'd also like to point out as a partial optimist about uh, the ongoing uh, collapse of Donald Trump's presidency because he's down in the 40% range, but 96% of his voters think he's doing a great job. Well, the evidence... <laughs> What, what he's delivered on is unclear because it's been a lot of trial balloons and a lot of war games. Finally, I'd like to point out that America is a very, very diverse religious country. I am not a particularly religious person. I was raised as a Unitarian. But there are many people of faith in the United States that are opposed to Donald Trump for all kinds of reasons. Um, Fox News has taken the, the Fox News Network has taken the biggest hit. <laughs> and that's related to Donald Trump. And oh, by the way, Mr. Trump, where are those lawsuits against those women that accused you of sexual harassment and inappropriate conduct uh, following the uh, Hollywood Access video? You promised lawsuits. Well, where are they? Nowhere to be found. Nope, Donald Trump is... Although those women were strangely silenced. They, uh, you know, he, he's, he's taken, what, seven or eight trips to Mar-a-Lago? Uh, I don't know. They've, they've just announced over the weekend that we've had some of the heaviest rain in 100 years. That there's going to be massive flooding uh, in big parts of Red America. Well, indeed, and uh, Paul Krugman's piece in today's paper uh, 
talks about these Trump supporters who are still, you know, yeah, I'm not disappointed. I'm pleased with what the president's doing, although clearly nothing is really getting done. Um, he observes that this is really more a declaration of their political identity to say that they still support him rather than an actual belief, because, of course, the whole idea that, oh, the media and the elitists and intellectuals, you know, hate Trump. So I hate those guys, too. Sure. Um, is part of that. But uh, Krugman also correctly notes that uh, we have you know, so far it's all fails uh, from Trump on things that he's putting forward. He's shooting his mouth off ideas that are half baked and half hearted. Uh, but we have yet to see uh, what Krugman calls his Katrina moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, where, you know, George W. Bush, not a very smart guy. Uh, the popularity of uh, his presidency ascended to unimagined heights post 9-11 for obvious reasons. Uh, but once Katrina happened, uh, his numbers descended, deflated. Well, yeah, they rapidly. went into free fall at that point. Yeah. Because by 2005, of course, the Iraq war had gone south on Bush and Bush... And the neoconservatives had no viable plans. They had no plan B. Uh, just to remind people, by the way, the French and the Germans were our allies that refused to participate in the Iraq war invasion. Schroeder called it a adventure. Mm. Chirac, a conservative, called it a s mistake. And it turned out to be both. Uh and uh, grizzly bears are, I'm afraid, still alive up there in the great state of Alaska. But uh, this Goldman Sachs uh, tax cut bill, <laughs> I mean, what's going on here? This, this is just another redistribution of wealth. And suddenly all of those Republican deficit hawks are okay with it. Yeah. Well, some of them at least have spoken out against it, but it's True. not quite as numerous as as it should be. And Donald Trump is is a gong show act. He's just a perpetual, you know, work is defined by science as force times distance. Trump is all force, no distance. There's nothing going on. It's a gong show. He is the hamster on that wheel running around in place looking at himself in the mirror. So he's the hamster. He's part Trump, part hamster. Nothing's going on. And good. <laughs> the less he does, the better. Um, it's astonishing that 94% of his base has not abandoned him and claims that he's keeping his promises. Yeah, I just saw an ad on TV this afternoon <laughs> on... MSNBC that was clearly a pro-Trump ad from some organization called uh, 45 for America. And it was like, 100 days, promises made, promises kept. Like, uh, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, and this is what? one of the things that I hate about this this phony version of populism. The notion that, that uh, for instance, Marine Le Pen can run around uh, in the campaign and claim that she represents France. She's uh, utilizing the image of Joan of Arc, of all things, uh, to promote her patriotism. And I would suggest to her and her supporters that I doubt that Macron is any less patriotic. This phony patriotism is, 
needs to die uh, somewhere in the Me- the uh, Arizona desert. Uh, hopefully some immigrants can carry him in on their backs, the ones with the size calves the size of cantaloupes. Right, right. Steve King, honorable <laughs> member of the uh, Iowa uh, congressional delegation. Um, yeah, there's a kind of, there, what there is now is alternative reality. And it's, it's being, and it's, I think, getting worse because of the bubble uh, of social media. And it's, you know, if there's been one other new, t- very troubling development, it's this notion that we're going to have murders broadcast live on social media. Incredible that this is allowed to happen well, and continue. And one other disturbing trend that it's a complex situation, so I don't want to, you know, be glib about it and oversimplify it. But the uh, protests on college campuses, specifically UCLA Berkeley, against uh, right-wing speakers is a dangerous tactical maneuver. Um, It's, you know, one thing to uh, protest the presence of a speaker with whom you disagree, uh, but to try to prevent that thing from occurring at all is something that uh, the left should not engage in. Well, should not engage in, but also at the same time, Ann Coulter, who's now the, I guess, substitute teacher for uh, Yanniopoulos, who uh, imploded a couple of weeks ago when he suggested that pederasty was part of free speech, all of a sudden the far right said, wait a minute, we don't want any more of this speech. Yeah, yeah. They They were all about free speech until he started talking about that. Uh, but the notion that Ann Coulter is somehow uh, a victim of free speech fascism or whatever she's calling it is ludicrous. This woman's had a bullhorn on uh, the Fox News Network right. for quite some time. Uh, this, this is a setup. This is a phony, baloney. Let her speak and then dissect what she says because what she says is nonsense. Yeah. And, and easily disputable. And of course, it's it's one of these false narratives. It's part of the culture wars right. that that that, that uh, the right wing wants to keep feeding, and this has been going on. We're victims here. You're shutting us down. Yeah, and this is uh, obviously can be addressed uh, in upcoming shows because I doubt Ann Coulter will 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 shut up, but she's not uh, being denied any free speech. No, but I will say to finish up on this uh, note. That when the left uh, protests and protests violently against speakers like that or people like her or listeners remember, no doubt, when the KKK came here to Ann Arbor a that couple used years ago. to be an ago. annual problem. It used to be an annual thing. And Dick and I here on the show advise people, ignore them. Sure. They want you to come down and create a violent scenario. That's free publicity for them. Makes you look bad. Don't even go. That's the, per, the the proper tactic to take is ignore them. Well, Ann Coulter did not show up in her Ku Klux Klan wardrobe, but uh, we'll look for her next time. Uh, we're out of time down here on Gray Matters. Uh, do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We'd like to thank the uh, engineer who cannot be named. Once again, and uh, do stay tuned. Uh, Jerry Mack up next with Yazoo City Calling. Of course, I want our kids to eat fresh, healthy foods all the time, but we don't have a supermarket near.